we've taken a bit longer today in worship because there are times when we just need to spend time in God's presence. Maybe it's my, my Pentecostal background that says in God's presence, we're changed. There's a fullness of joy. There is, there is a, a heaviness that is, is lifted. And I don't, I don't like using church words, but I, I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> when, we, when we cry out to God, <clears throat> when we're in God's presence, that God ministers to us. And I, I hope you've been ministered to this morning. Thanks for your help this morning. Thanks, Najee. That was really good. I needed that this morning. When we're finished today, we're going to take communion. So I want to give you a chance to, to go get bread or cracker and, and whatever you want to use to, to represent the cup as we join together in a little bit. And I have prayerfully considered how I might um, help us process the election results. And, and full disclosure, and Najee kind of hinted at it earlier, that we are actually recording on a Wednesday night. And the, um, the election results for most of the day have been um, inconclusive. Uh, I, th I think, I'm, I'm hearing this this evening, that, that uh, Senator or former Vice President, president Biden may, may in fact be uh, the, the president, but I'm not, I'm not certain. As we're recording this, um, and, you know, last night as results were coming in, it, it looked like President Trump was going to surprise the world again and to win the, the election. And that seemed just, it was shocking to us here, especially in Colorado, where the vast majority in, in Denver, he got over like close to 85% of the vote. And so to, to like have to process like, oh, there's, there's a lot of people voting for, for President Trump. And, um, you know, in the Old Testament, the, the people of God, they were on the brink of exile, and, and they didn't know it. But, but God had sent prophets to them to warn them, but they, they weren't listening. In fact, uh, through the prophet Jeremiah, God speaks to his people, and he says, Administer justice every morning. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire. Because of the evil you have done, burn with no one to quench it. And so the, the people of God, they had gone after false idols. They had, had given themselves over to greed. They had oppressed the weak and the poor. And, and God, he keeps bringing warnings. And again, through, through Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 7, God says, if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow the other guards, the other gods to your own harm. Then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave to your ancestors forever and ever. But they didn't listen. Instead, they, they were using God, they were using the temple as a talisman, as, as, a, as a good luck charm, basically. Like they, thought, they thought they could do whatever they wanted, and still God would be on their side. They were the children of Abraham, after all. And then in Jeremiah chapter 6, God says, from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. And, and all that is to say that I, I didn't want to just stand up this morning and say, peace, peace, when, when there is, in fact, no peace. 
uh, when, and say that everything's just going to be okay. I didn't want to put a Band-Aid on, on skin cancer. I, I didn't want to put uh, rubbing alcohol on a compound fracture. I don't know if anyone's mom was like my mom, but when you were hurt, just put a little rubbing alcohol on it. Like that would fix it, fix everything. Um, but I, didn't, I don't want to do that. Um, and at this point, we can't control the, the outcome of the, the election. There is, there's no more voting to be done. And, and while voting is important, we, we actually don't have a whole lot of individual say in what happens in D.C. Like we, I mean, we, we can call our, our senators, we can call our, our congressmen and women, uh, but when it comes down to it, we don't have a, a lot of say, and so this last couple of days, the, the election night, I, I wonder, like how, how did how did you how did you handle it? How did you how did you uh, deal with it? Um, and and folks like are worried about four years of Trump. Folks are worried about four years of of Biden, and like what that's going to mean for our country. In fact, uh, I saw that Google reported uh, one of their their most searched phrases of the night. In fact, the all-time high for this particular phrase was liquor stores near me. <laughs> like, like that was, I saw the headline, I was like, no, so I had to click on it. And, and in fact, highest all-time, and like I get it, like people are just trying to take the edge off of what's happening in our country. But is that, is that our best response? Is that how we should be responding? Or do we, do we engage in violence? Well, let me encourage you that in the midst of everything that's going on, that we can in fact put our trust in Jesus. And we can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, and we get to work. We don't, we don't sit back. We don't give in to fear. We don't give in to anxiety. How, how do we respond? We, we do justice. We love mercy. We walk humbly with our God. We engage in, uh, in what's happening in our backyard, regardless of what's happening in Washington. Uh, I think we have this tendency to, to put too much weight on presidential elections. Again, not, not that they're not extremely important, but too much weight on presidential elections and not enough weight on our own responsibility in our backyard, like to, to make things right here. Um, we protect the vulnerable. There, there are no shortages of opportunities to get involved in, in our neighborhood, uh, to speak up for those who don't have a voice, for those of us who have, have agency to, to use that on the behalf of others. So we, we engage and then we love one another. We, we push back against the division, the partisanship that marks our culture because we are a counter-cultural people. We are a people stamped with eternity. We are an, an end-time people. And so there, there is no prerequisite for us to have political unity before we have unity in the church. It's, now, is that easy? No, no. But, but the call to follow Christ is not a, a call to, to comfort and ease, it's a call to come and die, to live a cruciform life, a life shaped by the cross. And um, so, so welcome. <laughs> if you're a guest and you're, you're still with us, uh, my name is Matthew, I'm one of the, the pastors here. And uh, just before we get into, like this first part, that's not even what I'm, I'm talking about today. I just thought that we could use uh, uh, just a bit extra. So that's free, no cost for that. Uh, but if you are a guest, let us know that you're here. In the comments, there's a... a, a a uh, brief uh, form that you can fill out. helps us get to know you a little bit. Uh, if you do that while we're live, we have a, a booklet that we put together called Our Rhythms. 
It'll help you, you grow in your faith, help you just establish some, um, I like to call it a trellis that a, a grapevine grows on. It's kind of like a trellis for our faith. And so uh, fill that out uh, while we're live and we'll, we'll make sure to get that to you. Now we are in, as you can see, our, our living room once again, but we have a, a very important interview to, uh, to get done today. And in fact, you might have seen on Facebook that we um, have some, some new people, part of the Hills Church. So I want to introduce them to you. And you might have even heard uh, their little guy, Deuce, just a minute ago, making some noise. And, and they're getting ready to, to come up. They're, uh, are, they, are they ready? Yeah. We're, they're ready. All right, so I'm going to move this out of the way. So I uh, am excited to introduce Cordarius. Come on. And Lashandra, are you with, without the, the little guy? Yeah, he, he, was, he was over. He was over. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's grab this microphone here. That's all right. That's all right. We'll, we'll get a chance to meet him. Uh, so let me, let me just tell you that this couple last week moved a thousand miles from home. Yeah. Uh, they, they, left, <laughs> they left their I mean, family, the loved ones, like they grew up in the, in the same area. They've been there most of their lives, a couple, couple years away from home, but mostly yeah. in that area. They've moved here because they have felt God stirring in their hearts to come and be a part of the Hills Church. And so they're going to be part of our leadership team. And uh, so Cordarius and LaShandra, uh, her friends call her Chandra. Um, <laughs> and, and I just can't tell you like, how excited I am yeah. that, that you guys are, are here. And it was when I think about like which, how you're going to be able to serve in the, the church and the community. So, Cordarius, tell us yeah. just a, a little bit about yourself mm -hmm. and uh, about your family. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm Cordarius, as he said, and this is Chandra. Uh, we've been married for five years and best five years of my life. We have an 18-month-old son, Cordarius II, also known as Deuce. He's not acting right, so he's downstairs <laughs> right now. He probably would be on the piano right now he probably would if he fine. was up here. Um, we've been in a ministry uh, together since I've been married, uh, since we've been married, rather, and uh, we're from Marshall, like he said. Man, I, I, I could talk for days. Where's Marshall? Marshall is in East Texas. Whoop, whoop. Well, shout out yeah. Najee in the background. <laughs> same same city uh, Najee is from. Uh, we both went to Marshall High School. Uh, I graduated from ETBU with my bachelor's in kinesiology, and uh, it is just awesome. Uh, she, we, we, we're not high school sweethearts. She actually pursued me oh, okay. when I was in college. I know, I know what that's like. I know what that's like. Oh, and you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so God really just stirred in our heart to move up here, and we're excited to work uh, with Matt. Uh, I'm excited to work with my brother Najee. We're best friends. Uh, made music together when we were younger, and we would always joke about working at the same church. Mm -hmm. And then now, who would have thought we were prophesying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you said that you think that I was Pentecostal. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a little bit about us. Sure. Now, uh, being from Texas, are you are you Cowboys fans? No. no. Oh, good. Okay. No. Yeah. Well, I am. What? No. What's? You don't want to ask that question. Who? I think we need to move on. Well, who's who's your team? <laughs> I think we need to move on. Who's who's your team? Chandra. Patriots. I'm sorry. Patriots and let's go ahead and cut. Let's go ahead and cut right there. <laughs> no, we're Patriots and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. 
<laughs> I told you you didn't want to ask that question. Well, God's been working on our, our hearts. We are, we are loving our enemies well. Yeah. And uh, so that's a, little, yeah. that's a little painful. But it's we'll, okay. uh, <laughs> we'll invite you in nonetheless. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll have uh, Cordelius in the future to be part of our, our teaching team. So you'll hear more from him in, in the coming weeks. So. Yeah. Love you guys. Love you, man. Thanks for having us, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. Can't wait to work. Yes, you want to throw that over there. You don't want to get mad at her? Okay. All right. <laughs> gotcha. <clears throat> well, just in our, our remaining time, um, we're going to jump right into uh, Philippians for, for a few moments. Philippians chapter 2 is where we've been spending the last uh, couple, couple weeks together, and we're back there again this week. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then please make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. Uh, now, remember, the, the author of this, Paul, he, he writes this letter from prison. And he writes to the church in Philippi, and he is concerned. He's, he's heard that there's some disunity brewing, and he knows that if this goes unchecked, it, it has the potential to divide the church, to, to hinder their, their impact there in, in Philippi. And so he tells them, he's like, hey, check, check your motives. Get, get rid of that uh, conceit, get rid of ambition, rivalry. These, these attitudes, they are in, in uh, direct opposition to the attitude of, of Christ. And we're going to get to that in, in the coming verses. And so Paul then contrasts the ambition and the conceit with humility. In verse 3, the, the second part, he says, In humility value others above yourselves. So the, the title of my talk today is what, here's the title, what brilliant pastors like me are learning about humility. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. That's a bad attempt at, at, at humor. But we, we are not good at humility. In fact, there was a, a, a survey done of drivers, and 93% of us think that we are above average drivers. <laughs> 93%. I mean, on a percentage basis, not possible. But across the board, like we think we are uh, above average in intelligence, uh, above average in our relationships, we are above average in our, our work ethic, we are above average in, in managing money. And even, even college professors, when asked, you know, like, are you above average uh, teacher? Nine out of 10 say they're above average. Uh, I mean, we live in a world where, where all the, the women are smart, all the men are strong, and all of our kids, above average. Um, there's a, uh, you may have seen some AT&T commercials, that, and the theme of them is just okay, is not okay. And, and they're pretty funny. And there's, there's one that I recall. A doctor walks in to, to the hospital room. There's a patient there ready to go into surgery, and the, and the doctor asks the patient, like, are, are you nervous? 
and the patient's like, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. And then the doctor's like, me too, but, but don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Because just okay is, is not okay, and, and we don't want to be just okay. We see ourselves as, as better than we really are. Like that is just our default. We see ourselves as better than we are. And the reason is because we lack humility. We lack humility. And, and Paul writes elsewhere that, that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Uh, humility, humility, it is a uniquely Christian value. Uh, and, and as with the message of a crucified Messiah, it did not sit well. It, it was countercultural in the Greco-Roman world. And it's countercultural in the 21st century American world. Uh, if we're being completely honest, it can feel like it's a bit countercultural to much of what we see in the American church. Like a, a lack of humility, a lack of valuing others above ourselves. We, we have uh, looked to our own interest more than we have looked to the interest of others too many times. And, and it's, hurt, it's hurt our witness because people uh, not in the church, they see that. They see that discrepancy between what we say and what Jesus said and taught and then the way that we, we put ourselves forward, the way that we hold on to, to power. But he says, in humility, value others above yourself. Now, this is, this is hard. Like, this is not something you're, you're going to, after today, you'll be like, all right, now I've got humility. No, this is a, a, a process, a lifelong journey. And it, it doesn't mean that we, we belittle ourselves, but it, it means that we put the needs of others ahead of our own. We are concerned that others get what they need first. So, Let's just think about yourself. Do you constantly point out faults in other people? Maybe not to them directly, but like in your mind, you're, you're breaking them down. Do you have a constant need to win arguments? Whether, whether it's at home, in the workplace, with friends, do you have a constant need to prove that all your opponents, everyone on the other side of the aisle is not just mistaken, but they are somehow um, sellouts, you might lack humility. Uh, hum- humble people are those with a habit of being so unconcerned about themselves altogether that they can focus on loving others. Uh, humble people have put down the mirror. They're, they're not even looking at themselves. C.S. Lewis, the, the great writer of the last century, he said, Christian humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Not thinking of your less of yourself, just thinking of yourself, like not even thinking about yourself. Verse four says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. When? When are we supposed to do that? All the time. Where are we supposed to do that? Everywhere we go. It starts in the home, at school, at work, on IG, on Facebook. Like there, we are not to look to our own interest, but to the interest of others. And there is there was a constant struggle within me because I, I want my needs to be met. Like I want, I want my way. And uh, when I am uh, fortunate enough to be, to be doing a, a wedding ceremony, I often say, and it's not original with, with me, but uh, I once heard someone say that, that love is blind, right? Love is blind, but marriage 
is an eye-opener. And, and that is so true. It is an eye-opener to just how much humility we don't have. It, it is an eye-opener to how often I don't value others. And by others, it can be the person that you live with. It could be your, your spouse. For, for me, I, I don't value and put Elora's interest ahead of my own often times. Uh, it's an eye-opener of how much I look out to my own interest exclusively. Like, I, I want my way, I want my needs to be met. And, and uh, as I was preparing today, I was, I was wondering, like, how can I expect to look out for the interest of others, like, outside of my house, when I can't even get it right under my own roof? Like, how can I expect to look out to the interest of others when I can't even get out my front door without being overly concerned with what I deserve? wretched man that I am, Paul would write in another letter, who will deliver me from this body of death? Like he was completely aware of his, um, his selfishness, his sinfulness, and, and when I think about humility, like I, uh, I am not there. Uh, I mean, it's easy for me to, to see a lack of humility in others, right? When, when we see uh, someone in office, a high office who, who will not uh, claim or, or take responsibilities for, for failures, who will not admit mistakes. We see it in our neighbors and, and sometimes our friends when they're, they're jealousy or the self-pity or, or they're, they're boasting. Like we can see it in others, but even when we try to see it in ourselves, this is the thing, humility is shy. Humility is shy. As soon as you start thinking about it, talking about it, it leaves the room. Because you, you're trying to, to be humble, and, and then uh, you, you, f- you finally think, okay, I'm, I'm being humble, and then we get boastful, and our humility, it's gone. Humility is shy. It is hard to hold on to. And like we even, as we, as we mature in our faith, like I have found myself, you know, being introspective and, and taking a stock of like, and before I know it, I'm, I'm thinking, I can see my blind spots better than she or he can see his blind spots, <laughs> right? <It's> like, <laughs> like that's no, like, there's no humility in that. But just, just imagine if we were a people not driven by selfishness or vain conceit, and, uh, but instead we were a people that was marked by humility, preferring others to ourselves, what, what would that look like? I think it would look like we'd be slow to speak. We would be quick to listen. We would listen to people who disagree with us. We would listen to people outside the church who, who have, some th- have had bad experiences with the church and with Christians. We would, we would listen. We would listen to one another. We would not be afraid to confess our sins our weaknesses, our, our struggles. If the church got better at confessing and not blaming, we'd have a better church. If the church got better at confessing and not blaming, we'd have, we'd have a better church. Cordarius, I might just start preaching. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Uh, there, there would be a unity among us that no amount of polarizing politics could get in the way of if we walked in humility. So how, how can we begin to grow in humility. I'm going to close with this. Um, is that humility is only achieved. Humility is only achieved as a byproduct 
of an understanding, a believing, and a marveling in the gospel of grace. Humility, it's a byproduct of the gospel of grace. Because when we remember that, that our sin was so great that only the death of the Son of God could save us. Let me think about that. The Son of God had to die for your sins. It was the only thing that would work. It was the only thing that would, would heal our brokenness. It was the only thing that would resolve us of our, our sin. Jesus had to die for us. But God's love is such that, that Jesus was glad to die for us. He had to die, but he was glad to die. And when we look to Christ and the grace we experience at the cross, our need to win arguments is removed. Like our need to, um, to hide our weaknesses, our, our need to make ourselves look like we don't have to anymore. Because humility is a byproduct of the gospel. And we, we have this confidence that's not based on our performance. It's not based on our performance. But it's based in God's love for us. And, and this frees us to not even have to look at ourselves. We don't even have to pick up the mirror again. We don't have to be absorbed in ourselves. We can see past our own nose. So the question is, sisters, brothers, do we believe that? Do we believe what Christ has done for us? Do we believe that we have no, nothing to add to our salvation? It is all a work of grace. In humility, value others above yourselves. So when we begin to shift our eyes from ourselves to our Savior, then we'll begin to walk in humility.